Hey, everybody. Welcome to the You Were Born for This podcast with Father John Ricardo. I'm your host. I'm Father John, the executive director of Acts 29, where we talk about anything and everything related to transforming the church. It's a new year, guys. Nick, Mary, good to be back together with you. Good to be with you guys. Happy Happy 2021. That's right. It is the era or the time, the week of uh, resolutions, right? New Year's resolutions. Yes. This year, it might be different. Yeah, this might be a very different year. Who knows, right? I mean, last year was, who could have predicted it? Who can predict this year? No one knows but God. However, today's topic, Father John, we're talking about this thing, this kind of almost what feels like a phenomenon that started to occur in 2020, which is going to continue through 2021 and harm a lot of people, and that's this whole thing about cancel culture. Yeah, we want to take a look in a particular way. This is the good news that we want to share with people, right? Um, the gospel and the cancel culture and how it is that the gospel cancels. So it's going to be a fun thing. Hopefully it'll be, we'll break this open. We'll just pray the Holy Spirit will mm. guide our conversation right now in the ears of all those who are listening and uh, bring hope and encouragement to those of us who need it the most as we begin this new year, shall we? Yeah, let's, so let's pray. pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Lord, in these days we continue to thank you for the wonderful gift of your Son, for his inf- incarnation, he who has... Uh, leapt down from his royal throne in heaven, as the Book of Wisdom says, into a land doomed to destruction, so as to rescue us by his love, his mercy, his cross, his resurrection. Lord, we entrust this new year into your hands. We have no idea what's coming. We can't see the future, but we know who holds it, and we know that's you. And so we ask that you would increase within all of us the gift of hope and the gift of faith and the gift of charity in these days that you have destined for us to live in. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So, Nick, you said right at the beginning, yeah, like, hope this year will be a little different, right? So here's my thought as we we start today, like, New Year's resolutions, you know, this year I'm going to lose some weight, I'm going to stop drinking, I'm going to give up gambling, um, I'm going to stop rooting for the Lions. I mean, whatever it might be, right? <laughs> and so all these things, why do we love New Year's resolutions? I think we love resets. It's a chance to start over again. But in the back of my mind, I'm also thinking, yeah, but this chance to start over again, it almost like pre-programs us to think, yeah, but you know, you really can't change. You tried that last year, and it didn't work. Like you got to the third week of January, and then you started eating fruitcake again or whatever. So there's something about, you know, like we, we live in this tension between I want to be different, and yet I'm afraid from my past experience I actually can't change. Yeah, I'm incapable, right? Yeah, I'm incapable of change. And the good news of the gospel is, no, you, you can change. And, and we, we want to see that really as kind of like this backdrop to this conversation that you set up earlier about this cancel culture that we're living in right now, uh, Nick. So what's a cancel culture? So believe it or not, Urban Dictionary has already entered that into their... Of course they have. Into their... um, Probably like eight months ago. (laughs) (laughs) So they would define the cancel culture as someone is said to be canceled after it's been discovered that they have done something offensive. Uh Uh-oh. There's a lot... I think I'm about to be canceled. Like, oh my gosh, we've all done something offensive. Say that again. This, This is just really important for people to hear. So someone is said to be canceled after it's been discovered that they've done something offensive. Okay, so quick show of hands. 
who's never done or said or thought anything offensive? Who's left standing? Nobody. <laughs> nobody. Nobody. And this is insane, right? It like is. Is nobody is in that set of people who've never done anything offensive. And yet that's, I mean, there's so many stories we could possibly recount. There were a whole set of things that uh, took place over the uh, the Christmas holiday for a lot of people. Maybe you saw some stories about it. Maybe you didn't, but it wouldn't do a lot of, wouldn't take a lot of work to do a Google search and go like, who has been canceled lately in this culture that we're living in? And so that just breeds like a climate of fear, right? Yeah. And so what do you do? You have to hide your past. Exactly. Hide your past. Hide your past. Hide your past. Put on this facade this mask. that, you, that you, you are the one or the two or the three people who've never done anything offensive. Yeah. And anyone with, you know, who, who we might even admire in some square, if you will, some public square or whatever, they, they're going to be tempted to hide now because of the cancel culture. Like, well, I did actually, I had a life before. That's right. And so now... Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna remove myself as much as I can right now from the public eye, and I'm not gonna take a stance on anything, because if anyone finds out what who I used to be, I will be canceled. Right. So regardless of who you are now, you should hide. That's basically what, that's basically the message. Yeah. So let me ask you guys a question. So let, let's look at all of this in light of the gospel. Yep. Saint Peter. Saint Peter denied Jesus. It was one of not only the most shameful moment of his life, it's mm. one of the most serious sins I, I think you could say ever committed by a human person mm. in the history of the world. Now, why would I say that? Because Peter actually knows Jesus. He's been walking with him for three years. He's been living with him for three years. He's one of his best friends. He's in the inner circle within the inner circle of the apostles. He has pronounced Jesus as the Christ, the Lord, the Messiah. He has boasted to Jesus, though everyone else run away, mm. I will never deny you, Lord. I will lay down my life for you. And then, on Holy Thursday, in front of a small little charcoal fire with a couple of people, not only does Jesus or does Peter deny that he knows Jesus, he actually calls down a curse upon himself. Mm. He says, may God damn me to hell if I even know who that man is. Now, let me ask you a question. How do we know that? How do we know Peter did this? There's only one way. Yeah. He had to have told somebody. Yeah, there's only one source. It's Peter. Nobody else made public this. Peter made public this. Or St. Paul. St. Paul says, I was an arrogant man. I was a blasphemer. Right? I was a persecutor of the church. Who said Paul was an arrogant man? Paul. Paul did. He didn't hide it. He didn't say, oh, no, no, I got to keep up the good facade. Like, I'm, a, I'm an apostle of the I'm church. I'm not like all of you. Yeah, you know, like, I, I'm in my position because I've never done anything offensive. That's why you can trust me. No, 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 you can trust me because I've done stuff that's offensive and I've encountered mercy. Or? Mary Magdalene. 
Yeah. Right, I was sharing with you guys that we were binge watching The Chosen again over again? the over the Christmas break and you know <laughs> we all know that beautiful concise testimony that she offers but she talks about I was once this way and now I'm another way. Well, she tells people what it is she's been delivered from. Yeah, what was she delivered from? According seven, to scripture. The fu- seven demons. Yeah, so right? this is a messed up woman. That's how we know about Magdalene, right? That's how we know for sure. Magdalene was possessed by seven demons, mm-hmm. all right? And we know that, again, as you say, because she told people. That's right. So why is it that they didn't hide? Why, why is they? it that they weren't afraid? Because they were proclaiming the power of Jesus Christ. They acknowledged what they had been delivered from. If there had been no sin, there was there's no reason for him to come and do anything. That's, that's right. They're, they're boasting of it. Yeah, because it glorifies God, Amen. and they and they can do this because of the power of the gospel, right? right? So, so power here's here's where the gospel talks about canceling. Colossians chapter two, Paul says this. He has canceled the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, setting it aside, nailing it to the cross. That's what the gospel does. That's what the blood of Jesus does. The blood of Jesus doesn't cancel people. The blood of Jesus cancels sin. Glory to God. Right? So when Paul is talking about this, that that word cancel, that can also mean like to obliterate Mm. or to white out or to erase. Because when he talks about this record of debt, he's talking about, it's uh, it's like every single human person has on paper a record of all the things that you've done that are offensive. It's not a question of whether you have. It's a question of how big the list is, right? And the fact that there's something on the list alone means you're in trouble, or it would be if there wasn't for the blood of Jesus. So this record, this written record, Paul says, has been canceled, obliterated, whited out. And not only has God done that, he's furthermore nailed it to the cross as if to say, if you want to go bring up what Nick's done or what Mary's done or what John's done, you got to go to the cross because I dealt with it mm-hmm. on the cross. That's why I came. This wasn't a, a reward for y'all who've been living good. This was why I came. I came because the human race, every member of the human race, was desperately in need of mercy, mm. and God's offered it. That's so powerful. I mean... Uh, I shared with you guys this morning. Today, today is the the feast of my baptism date, right? So th- I was baptized on this day. Happy anniversary! Indeed. Welcome Happy to the anniversary. kingdom of God. And and in my baptism, Jesus canceled the debt. He canceled. He he freed me from the powers of sin and death. And so this morning, today, as I'm coming in, I'm, I'm praying, praying this morning, and I'm just asking the Lord again to cancel. But even my my this morning's yesterday's this this, this recent these recent transgressions, because mm. I I have this really bad habit of going back into debt, <laughs> <laughs> and I need him to cancel Here's another my IOU. Debt. right? So and and that's what he keeps doing. He keeps he's in the business of canceling debts over and over and over again. So let's break that open for people just so they can understand a little bit uh, more profoundly. So you were baptized not as an adult but as an infant, correct? correct. Okay, so as an infant, you actually didn't have any personal sin. Correct. But you did have sin. You had the stain of original right, sin right. that you inherited. Mm-hmm. That was washed away. But like, then you lived after that. Right. Right? And right. So, so what about a person who's baptized as an infant, as you were, or as I was, I think as you were too, Mary, right? Mm-hmm. And then like, uh-oh, you've accumulated debt. Like, how do you get rid of that? 
we go to what we call the second, second. baptism, right? The, the sacrament of confession. Yeah, that's, that's a beautiful way to think about confession, right? Confession is second baptism. So the church is profoundly realistic because God is very realistic. In other words, God expects the fact that I'm probably going to continue to struggle. <laughs> and so he offers, it's, it, you know, it's interesting, right? Easter Sunday, the first thing Jesus does on the day that he rises from the dead and destroys the power of sin, the first thing he does is he breathes on the apostles and he gives them the authority to forgive sins. <laughs> In other words, it's like, guys, I've just destroyed the power of sin. It has no hold on you anymore. But here's the reality. Even though that's true, people are still going to struggle. You're still going to struggle, so I'm giving you this gift. And this gift is going to enable you, in my name, by my authority, to continue to restore people and to enable them to begin again, an expression that I know, Mary, you love so much from Teresa of Avila. Yeah, I mean, and this is, like, to tie this together even, even more, this is Christian cancel culture. Right. This is, this is the business of Jesus Christ. He wants to cancel all your debt, right. all your offenses. He's not looking through your past, trying to bring forward to you to say, oh, you are canceled, Nick. You are canceled, Mary. You're canceled, Father John, because you've done something bad. He's saying, no, I want to bring this forward so I can deal with it. And this is so important because there isn't anybody who doesn't need this, right? Paul says in Romans that all men and women— <laughs> You know, Jew, Greek, which is to say everybody, they're all under the dominion of sin. All have fallen short of the glory of God. Uh, the psalm, one of my favorite lines in the psalms, right, is, if you, O Lord, should mark iniquities. In other words, if you should put on the front page of the newspaper, or put on CNN or Fox what I've done wrong, if you, Lord, should do that about any single person on the face of the earth, who could stand? Nobody, right? Nobody could. And, and, and this, is, this is really important because in this, in this day and age, as we continue to watch the assault, both or the assault or ignorance of Christianity, I mean, we just, we just saw this, uh, this radical confusion come out in prayer, right? Like, <laughs> but the, the temptation, at least for myself, can just be to want to start sort of, even just in my own mind, start canceling back, right? I might not use that word, but in my mind, like start, like, start seeing these people who are, who, are, who are trying to basically assault Christianity, if you will, in light of, I, like, I reject them, and they're my enemies. But that's not, that's not what Jesus is inviting me to. And so to, to really stay, keep in front of us, this is who I used to be before him, is to stay humble and to remember all the debts he has canceled mm. in your life will help you, help me, to remember, he wants to cancel their debts too. I, I, you know, I think for myself, you know, like one of my, one of my um, uh, opinions or philosophies about this is, I think so many people are afraid to acknowledge what they've done. They're afraid to come to grips with their past or their present because they don't think there's any hope. Mm. You know, like yeah, I, I, I have to hide because if I deal with what I've been or what I am, what I've said, what I've thought, um, I'm, I'm beyond repair. I mean, we're all Humpty Dumpty. We've all fallen off the wall and, and fallen apart. And 
unless I know there's a chance that I can be forgiven, restored, made new, I'm never going to be willing to look at that. Mm-hmm. And so, so many people, I think most people, live their lives unwilling to acknowledge what they've done and afraid to look at their past because they think they're defined by their past. And the, and the gospel tells you, no, God doesn't define you by your past, right? We, I think so many people, they have an image of God, both in and out of the church, which sees God as, um, I remember a guy in a, in a movie he was talking about, he said, I just had this image that God was just disgusted with me because of my life, my past, my sins, my addictions, whatever. But God's not disgusted with us. God not only made us, he became a man, and he became a man to do something about sin, right? That's why knowing scripture is so crucial. Because otherwise, if I don't know the word of God, I make up my own God. And the God of the Bible, both the Old and the New Testament, is a God who's, yes, just, but he's also rich in mercy. One of my favorite passages is in uh, the prophet Micah, chapter 7. Micah says this, Who was a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in showing mercy. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. He won't tread us underfoot. He won't cancel us. He will cancel our iniquities. He casts all our sins into the depths of the sea. Mm. That's God, right? That's who he is. And... uh, it's so crucial for us to just soak in this, especially at the beginning of the new year. So we're seeing all this stuff going on in the world around us. It can impact us in the church. We see oftentimes in the church a lot of self-righteousness, right? I can see in myself a lot of self-righteousness. We have to be on guard against that and make sure that we never remember or never forget, rather, where we were, who's brought us out of that, and that things can be different in our lives, right? So I, I remember um, I was sharing with you guys just before we uh, started recording, there's this beautiful passage in a, a book by uh, Pope Benedict called Teaching and Learning the Love of God. This is just a collection of sermons that he gave uh, over the decades to, to priests and deacons and bishops. And one of the sermons, he talks about uh, a guy who had been, a, uh, who'd been an atheist who, who met some really devout Christians shortly after World War II, and he, he met this priest, and the priest, uh, he was talking to the priest about his life and how he was living, and the priest asked him, you know, do you approve of living this way? He says, no, of course not. He goes, uh, you'd like to live differently. He goes, yeah, I'd love to. He says, do you regret what you've done? He goes, yeah, of course I do. He says, kneel down. The guy's like, what? He goes, kneel down. He kneels down. He says, I absolve you from all your sins. Mm. And then the guy goes on to write, he says, I had always waited for this moment, had always been waiting for there to be someone, sometime, who would say to me, kneel down, I absolve you. And he says, I went back home, not a different man. Now, he says, I had finally become myself again. So in in this culture where people are running around hiding from their pasts. The gospel is this 
beautiful proclamation of, no, God wants to give you your life back. You can become who you were intended to be. Regardless of how many resolutions you've tried in the past number of years or decades that you haven't succeeded at, you really can change. Like, that's the message of the gospel. You can change. How do you change? The power of grace. Yeah. power of grace. Yeah, change change isn't about trying harder. Mm. It's about surrendering deeper and and, and, and inviting God, Mm. saying yes to him, saying amen to him, uh, so that 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 you allow him to change you. I mean, how many times have each of us right here just collectively tried harder to change and found ourselves going, failed again? Yep, that didn't work. That's the difference between a New Year's resolution and the power of grace. New Year's resolution is I'm going to roll up my sleeves. I'm going to do it this year. Grace is now I'm going to put up my hands Hmm. and I'm going to give up. And I'm going to say, Lord, I can't. You can. Please do. Please do. Yep, I love that's that line, line, right? I can't, you line. can, please do, right? And I, and I think, you know, like maybe, maybe as we move towards a close, you know, one of the lines that comes to mind as we're talking is people often used to say, especially I would hear this as a priest, you know, Father, the church is really hung up about sin. You know, you guys are always talking about sin. <laughs> You're hung up on guilt. It's like, no, the church isn't hung up on guilt. The church is hung up on getting rid of guilt. You know, like guilt's got a purpose. Guilt's a reality, Guilt is, a, is something that we feel when we know we've done something wrong, when we've done something offensive, and all of us have done it, right? And so guilt is this gift which says, I need to act on this. And the purpose of guilt is to repent. And then once you've repented, here's the beauty. You're not guilty anymore. The, the, the debt has been erased, mm. obliterated, Canceled and not just canceled, nailed to the cross. Mm. Once you've repented, and what's, and what's the definition of repentance? Yeah, to change the way you think, right? I'm going to put on a new mind. I'm a, and, and for most of us, that means coming to grips with the fact of, I need help. I ain't complete. Mm-hmm. I'm not all that. I need a savior. Again, like in in these days when we're looking at Jesus still in his manger, he's not there as a reward. Like, you guys have lived a really good life. I'm going to come down and show you how much I love you as a reward for that. No, 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 no. I was just rereading C.S. Lewis, and uh, I think it's in The Problem of Pain. He says, like, Jesus takes it for granted that men are bad. <laughs> you know? Like, that's why he came. <laughs> you know? I've not come to call the righteous, he says. I've come to call the sick. And, oh, by the way, you're all sick. It reminds me again of this scene in The Chosen when Jesus invites himself, basically, to Matthew's house for dinner. And one of, the, one of the Roman guards is trying to invite Matthew to reconsider his surrendering, you know, giving his life to Jesus. And he says, do you realize who's at your table today? He says, it's the dregs of Capernaum. It's the bottom of the barrel. Do you know who's sitting with you? That's who Jesus came for. I would love to think that I would be at that table. Yeah, amen. So, so let's talk about a couple things we can do with all this, right? Why this is such good news. So I, in my mind, here's the first thing. Just, just know, like hear the power of God say to you, the word of God say to you, you, whoever you are right now, whatever you're struggling with right now, you can change. Father John, you had said something earlier about the importance of knowing the word of God. Yeah. And the Word of God is replete with promises 
about change and transformation and renewal and restoration. And Paul writes about that in 2 Corinthians 5 when he says, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, all is made new. Right. We can be a new man. We can be a new woman by his power, by his grace. So we need to lay claim to those promises in Scripture and apply them to our lives. That's right. And, and don't you dare beat yourself up over your past. Cause, and, and don't you dare think that God's disgusted by you or that yeah. somehow this doesn't apply to you or that if we knew what you've done, that this wouldn't be true for you. It's true for all of us. You can change. Just hear that as if it's God saying that to you. Yeah, it's so important. I mean, and I'm thinking of um, just recently, well, often we, we talk about Jesus saw Peter in his whole life and still chose him. That's right. He saw his denial. He knew his denial would come. He predicted it the night of. If not, I mean, he, he saw all the things that Peter would do and said, I still choose you yep. to be um, in my inner circle, to be my best friend, to walk with me, to carry forth the church when I, when I go to the Father. I mean, so if, you, if you've been walking with Jesus and you're finding yourself in a place of shame, guilt, struggle. I mean, he redeemed me before. How could he keep redeeming me? He wants, he's, that's what he does. And yeah. so that, to, to the change thing, like keep going back. That's Jesus right. doesn't tire of forgiving. We tire of asking for forgiveness. Amen. Yeah, and so, you know, like we, we've talked before in here, like, you know, like I think it's 45% of Catholics have never, ever, ever gone to confession. Maybe you're listening right now and you've never gone to confession or you haven't gone in a long time. Just run, go, go to confession. And I'll, I'll tell you this as a confessor, like, um, nobody's sin stands out. <laughs> you know, like when I, every time I go to confession, I'm always afraid, like, oh, this is really going to stand out, you know? Like, trust me, we've heard everything. It all just blends. Most people's sin is actually pretty boring. I, mean, I don't even sin greatly. My sin's kind of <laughs> mediocre, right? So don't, don't ever be afraid. Just run to confession. That might be the most important resolution for some of us right now, especially because of the pandemic. Some of us haven't had a chance to go to confession. Go find somebody, call a priest, say, hey, can I drive to the parking lot? Do whatever you can if you feel like you need to, because God wants to forgive. And then as you experience his mercy and his forgiveness, that's going to make you more merciful to others. And that might be the second action item, right? Believe other people can change. Be really on guard, all of us, about condemning anybody. We, we love to say that about people. Well, that's just... That's just Betsy. That's who she is. She's always going to be that way, right? Or that's just, you know, some political figure. Or that's just so-and-so as a bishop of the church or father so-and-so or my husband or my wife. No, it's not true. Like, if you can change, if I can change, anybody can change. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've gone to confession over the last year or so, and I've taken to the sacrament my own frustration with the political discourse and I've got some people in mind that are in the news all the time and I'm reminded that if that person comes to my mind I'm thinking of Nancy Pelosi God bless her if I'm not praying a blessing over her in yeah. my mind That's right. I'm doing something opposite Right. So when those people come to my mind, it's like, Lord, just remind me, bless this woman. Reveal yourself to this woman. Capture her heart. Because right. if I'm not doing that, the absence of that is almost like, I'm just going to shame you, condemn you. And that's just not what God wants. And so as I go to confession, I'm convicted that I'm not praying and blessing 
asking for God's blessing on these people. Yeah, and I think, again, a lot of us, we don't pray for people because we don't think that God can get them. God can never, if God can get us, God can get us, he can get anyone. Right, St. Philip Neary has this great line, he's uh, witnessing a murderer who's being walked to the gallows, right? And he says to those who are around him, there but for the grace of God, go I. How much more could all of us say that? If we're going to boast of anything, we boast of what it is we've been saved from. Mm. And our litany of, our litany of what God has delivered us from is deep and wide. Yeah. What else can we do? We need to root out, root out from ourselves any self-righteousness with the way we're treating others. Um, you know, we talked in past podcasts about contempt. We, we, have to, we have to ask Jesus to help us look at ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, to, and I mean, this, this, one, this one's great for me because I, <laughs> this was what I struggle with, you know. Uh, as I look at the, the, the culture at large, it's just easy for me, even if I'm not thinking so much about myself, but just about them. Every time I'm saying them, every time I'm pointing my finger or getting mm. frustrated and not dealing with it, without even, without even batting an eye, suddenly I'm pumping up myself. Right. And that, that we, we, that's the kiss of death, the Christian charity and mercy. That's right. Is to be self-righteous. That'd be called pride, right? Yeah. That's, that's the occasion for Jesus telling the parable of the two people who go to the temple to pray. One's the Pharisee. Who's the good guy? Like, that's really important to know. Like, he's the good guy for the Jews, right? He's the guy who keeps the law. And then the other's the tax collector, who, in the eyes of the Jewish people, is beyond God's reach, because he's turned traitor, right? Mm. So, um, So Jesus tells that parable, right, to those who are convinced of their own righteousness— and then it, the, the Gospel of Luke goes on to say, and look down on or despise everyone else. And, and, you know, again, I can see that in my own life, but I think we see that a lot in the church right now. We see it especially publicly mm-hmm. in media, social forums, whatever it might be. We just need to be really on guard. One of the resolutions that we want to encourage us all to make, ask God to expose any self-righteousness that we have in our own lives and just rip it out. It just can't be there, Right. What's, what's the tax collector's prayer in the temple? Have mercy on me. Yeah, he doesn't even raise his eyes, you know? Yeah, he just yeah. beats his breast and says, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. That's the Jesus prayer. That was one of my father's favorite prayers. Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner, right? Um, I'm also thinking about one of our favorite saints, uh, St. Catherine of Siena, um, she says she invites us never to look at our past with all that's back there outside of the lens of God's mercy and what he's done for us on the cross. Because sometimes if we look back in the past, the enemy can have a heyday with us and get us stuck back there. Mm-hmm. So if we go back there and we look at everything that he's, everything that he's taken to the cross, we have to remember we go back there only with Jesus. Right. And we praise him. It's an occasion of praise. But we have to be really, really careful when we go back there, yeah. right, to keep it you know, through the lens of the cross. I'm thinking of, uh, I forget who it is I first heard say, I'm sure he's quoting somebody, but he says, whenever the devil shows you your past, tell him his future. Mm. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and, and the beauty of the fact that God has canceled not us but our sin means I can look at my past and I can go, yeah. I did that. I I said that. I thought that. I wrote that. 
and I've repented, and God's forgiven me. And I want to let you know he'll forgive you too if you'll bring him whatever it is that's in your life that might be holding you down. You know, the, uh, remember the scene in the mission, maybe some of us have never seen the movie, but uh, there's a really powerful image in that movie, this man who's repented of his life, who's got deep shame for having committed murder and kind of been a, a sinful man, and he's as kind of his own self-imposed penance. He tithes uh, all his equipment, he was mm-hmm. a soldier, in a bag and, uh, and ties the, the bag to his foot by a rope, and then he's climbing all these like huge mountains and whatnot with this massive weighty bag tied to his foot. And it causes him to fall sometimes. He falls 100 feet, you know, one time down a waterfall. And finally, this one guy just cuts the rope and says, that's not you anymore. That's what Jesus wants to do for us in this new year. He wants to cut the rope. Like you, can, you don't have to worry about what was in your past. That's why this is good news and not just news. Huh? Maybe we can end with, with uh, the Word of God since it's so crucial. This is Paul in the second chapter in his letter to the Ephesians. He says this. So when you hear you here, think not y'all, but you personally by name. Me personally by name. Paul says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy... Because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace You have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Remember that this year. God is rich in mercy. That's why he's lying in the manger. That's why he's hanging on the cross. That's why he's speaking your name and my name to us right now, saying, no matter what's in your past, understand, I have taken it to the cross. You can change, and I am sending you out into this world right now, which is so hopeless to be a messenger of the gospel and to give encouragement to those who most need it. As the new year begins, let's keep our eyes firmly fixed on Jesus. And remember, do not be afraid. He is with us. And we were born for this.